Hey friends, could you do me a favor? Would you leave a rating or review on iTunes? We're trying really hard to increase the visibility of the podcast and rating and reviews really go a long way. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and I'm journeying along with you as we, through intentional conversation, do our very best to move closer to Jesus. Today is episode 167, where I sit down with author and uh, blogger, that's a term we don't use very often anymore, and satirist Anna Lynn Thomas. She's hilarious, guys. I loved this conversation. She's got a brand new book out, I'm Not Ready for This. And it's all about this idea about what it means to be patient, to trust God, and how eventually everything is funny. She kind of has this great sense of humor um, when it comes to using stories and to sharing kind of that, what I call sneaky Jesus reality. So this is both entertaining and life-giving conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, Share this episode with a friend. Let someone know that you uh, are listening to the Reclamation Podcast. It absolutely goes a long way to help spread the word about what God is doing. Thankful for you and for the time you give us in your ears each and every week, whether you're on the treadmill, mowing the grass, the elliptical, or just driving to work. I'm glad to be in community with you. Thank you guys so much. And now without any further ado, here's my conversation with Anna Lynn Thomas. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited today to have uh, speaker, author, and humorist, Anna Lynn Thomas. Anna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Tony. I'm so excited to be here. So um, I, it's you've got a brand new book out, and we're going to jump into that a little bit. But I, I always like to kind of get um, kind of that macro viewpoint when I talk to somebody for the first time. And I like to start by asking this question. How would you describe your calling? Oh boy, that's really funny. That's a that's a really interestingly worded question. So I can tell you how I how I came about to this place. Um, sure. I was in the sixth grade, and I was in a really tiny little schoolhouse uh, next to a nuclear power plant, which I think is hilarious. It was so it was like The Simpsons, <laughs> and I judge my mom so hard about it. I'm like, you, my mom is so healthy and holistic, and I'm like, you hear me to a nuclear power plant at school what is this <laughs> she's like it only be toxic if it blew up but so we uh i remember the teacher her name was mrs abo she asked us to write a short story and it was the first time i came alive i was just like oh my gosh what am i gonna write about it was just there was something in me that just couldn't wait to tell a story and i wrote this story it was called All Alone, and it was about a little girl with a drug addiction who lost all of her friends and family, which I think is hilarious because I don't. I grew up in a really solid family home. Where did I even get that as a topic? I, the only thing I can think of is that I was the baby of the family, and my parents um, uh, would like would let me watch TV with them. So th- I, I was watching Dallas. I think Sue Ellen had a alcohol addiction. I don't know where I got the premise, but I remember I wrote this really dramatic story. And my my teacher called me up to her desk and she said, Anna, this is very, very good. So wow. I went home that day and I kicked the door open and I said, family, listen up. 
uh, I'm going to be a published author when I grow up. I remember my mom was in the kitchen and she shut up the sink and she goes, you are, babe? And I go, yeah, I, yeah, I am. <laughs> then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, okay, I, I bet everybody feels that way. Like I bet everybody thinks that they're, that they're going to do this huge epic thing, right? And my mom goes, no, honey, I, I, I don't think hardly anybody feels that way. Um, and so that was it. I just knew that I was going to be a writer since I was a little girl and, um, I, life kind of goes on. And I remember instead of like in, I did a lot of writing in high school and then when college hit, I took a different turn. I went into advertising. Uh, I was afraid I wouldn't make a lot of money if I went into writing. So I thought I'd be rich if I went into advertising, found myself working at CSU Chico in uh, Chico, California, um, loving that. And I started to get a master. I got my master's degree and was going to get my PhD in counseling. And I remember the director pulled me aside and he said, um, have you ever just thought about being a comedian? <laughs> and I was so <laughs> offended. I was like, I just, I haven't slept in three weeks writing my thesis. And now you want me to go down to like Joe's, you know, open mic night. I was like, no, I'm not career, you know, and I, but I went home and I just had this stirring of, you know, I don't want to be a humor writer. I mean, I don't want to be a comedian, but I've always wanted to be a writer. And it was this pinnacle moment of this is, this is something I want to pivot and I want to try and I want to mm. go for it. And the reason why I know that it's a calling and not something that is fun or because I want it for any sort of prestige or anything like that is because it doesn't leave me alone. It wow. just doesn't leave me alone. And there is no option for me to quit, even if I don't have worldly success. It's just not an option. And it's a different, it's just this feeling with with God of of that this is what I'm I'm meant to do. I don't think in any way, shape, or form I'm meant to have high status and fame and all of that. Like I don't I don't think God cares about that as much He cares about my relationship with Him and my reliance on Him. Mm. But at the same time, I 100 percent believe in the vision that He put into my heart and the fact that He won't let it go. There are times I've wanted to quit, and it's just it's just not an option. So that's how I would describe my calling. I think that's beautifully stated. I think there are probably a lot of people who are like, um, I feel that. H how would you um, recommend like someone getting started on a journey that maybe doesn't feel so conventional? Obviously, you you left um, advertising to get into writing full time, and that had to been super scary. W what was that process like for you to kind of take that first leap of faith and? And if somebody's like, I feel like God's calling me to something big, how do I take that? How do I take that first step? I hate to give this advice because it's bad advice, but I can only tell you what happened with us. <laughs> uh, my husband and I, I, we were living in California. We moved home to uh, in, where I'm at now in Omaha, Nebraska to be closer to my family. And I was working on getting my PhD. I was applying to get into local schools here to get my PhD. And... Um, because at CSU Chico, I left advertising to go work on campus with students. So then mm. I was in the education system there. And then that's where I got my master's degree. And so um, I blogs at the time were just getting really huge. We had some savings. 
Rob was going into school to be a nurse. And I said, I just feel like I need to give writing a try. Can I just take this time right now and just try and see what happens? And, you know, like a total idiot, he said, yes. I mean, he just was cool with it. We were broke. Oh, (laughs) we were broke. But that's what I love about him because he's always really believed in me. And he's like, if that's what you feel like you're called to do, let's, let's do it. And, uh, I started this website. I needed to build a platform for my writing. I knew I needed to do that. And, um, about three months later, I went viral Mm. and I went mega viral with this essay I wrote about farting on the first date with my husband. I had no followers at the time. And it was a shock. My compute, my website was shut down for almost a week. Um, It was one of these crazy experiences. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, I'm better than I thought I was. I just can't believe, (laughs) I I mean, I knew I was going to be good at this, but I didn't know I was going to be this good at it. Three months. And I I joke about this because I do some speaking now and I I, I do a talk about being in the liminal space, which is that transitional period between a dream and a dream being realized and how uncertain and terrible it is and how we always usually run back to our comfort zone. And at that time, I thought that that was it. And really what it was, was breadcrumbs. Mm. And it was God's way of saying, keep walking this way, don't quit, don't get distracted, but you've got a lot of work to do if you even think I'm going to be elevating you, right? And so there was, I, I essentially feel like God was thinking, if you want me to answer your prayer, then we've got some work to do on your character. We've got some work to do on your faith. We've got some work to do on your talent. We've got some work to do on all of these character areas of my life. And then I was, I, I, it took about a decade. It took about a decade after that story of just writing and getting better and um, doing everything I could to, to get this book published. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about the going viral process. I've heard a lot of different stories about how um, kind of overwhelming and kind of weird that is. What, what did you learn about yourself um, in this like really fast viral moment and then you know since then you've you've obviously written more and you've continued to to grind it out but what was that initial like i I mean obviously there's a a little bit of confidence building there but what else about the all of a sudden everyone's looking at you in a different way kind of moment well it, it it has scary aspects to it but if we want to talk about spiritually Um, thank God that wasn't, thank God he saved me from that moment being the it moment because I was not ready for that attention. I wasn't ready spiritually or emotionally for fame. Uh, my husband and I were freshly married. If that would have like taken me off to a book deal and lots of money and lots of influence, there is no way. I really don't think I think I would have pulled away from God. I would have had one mm. of those superficial, um, oh, I'm a Christian, but uh, I would have been so in the world. And because that's kind of my personality, like my personality is like ambitious and loves it and let's have a good time. And um, I, 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 it can take you away from God so fast. 
because yeah. it whips you up into culture and it whips you up into the praise and adoration of other people. And it causes you to believe a lot of the things that they're saying and your identity starts to get rooted in your ability to make people laugh or this story or this caricature that going viral makes you rather than making sure that your identity is in Christ. And so um, I would say that it's a tough spot and I, I wouldn't wish it on yourself until you're ready. Hmm. Uh, how was the, the work process in that, in that kind of in between, right? Like, so you, you know, that it wasn't the end, but then you, you've kind of committed to doing a lot of self-work and, and obviously marriage work comes by, by being married and just spending more time there. (laughs) Um, what were some of the like key moments in your story that were like, man, that has really shaped me as I've become a writer or, uh, I, you know, a, a blogger humorist, you know, how, how were, how was that work kind of done? If, if somebody's thinking like, I oh, mean, I need to do some internal work too, where should they start? So you have to make a commitment to being good. One thing about the internet right now is that you can really get famous for nothing and you can get mm-hmm. famous or popular for no talent whatsoever. And I knew I didn't want to be a 15 minutes of fame writer, I wanted to bring integrity and excellence into my craft. And so instead of chasing the likes and the follows and all of that, which will really make you just pull yourself away from yourself, instead of being like, what is this thing that God wants me to write and put out in the world? You start to be like, what's going to make the people like this the most and share it? And that's (laughs) a real trap that you can get into. And so writing and being committed to writing was, was, what I had to focus on. I just had to continue to focus on, I have a good friend who said, you've got to protect uh, a good friend and mentor who said, you've always got to protect the goose that lays the golden egg because Mm. I was constantly chasing Facebook and Instagram. And how do I do this? And how do I do that to build up my platform while abandoning the one most precious thing that God wanted me to do, which is to serve people and make them laugh through my writing. So that is something that I have to remind myself all the time. Right now we're marketing the book and I'm thinking about marketing and numbers and business and all of these things that are stressful, that suck the creativity right out of me. And I have to remind myself to protect the goose that lays the golden egg, protect my writing, set aside that writing time and get better. Another thing, if I would have sold a book uh, when the fart story went viral, Um, or gotten a book deal, because a lot of agents and publishers will just jump on someone who's gone viral for videos or whatever else, and they'll just get them a ghostwriter. If I would have gotten a book deal at that point, it would have been crap. I just wasn't that good of a writer yet. I really needed to practice and get good at it. And I think that when God gives you a calling, we have an obligation to bring that calling integrity and an excellence the best we can, not perfection at all. But to show up and just do the very best we can and give honor to it because it's important. How, how do you uh, d- do? You have any daily disciplines as it when it comes to writing? Are you like uh, okay every day because you're still putting out good content into the internet writing wise? You have a, a Substack newsletter and some of that content you're still putting out on a regular basis, which by the way is is very rare, right? Like blogs feel like they're fewer and fewer, far between. And I know you're podcasting too, but um, how, how do you stay sharp writing wise? I'm I'm so into Substack right now and I just started because it's bringing me back to my roots of yeah. writing. 
and it's rallying people instead of people rallying around some like little joke that I say about like the other day I, I got pinged on Facebook for this. <laughs> I said, um, <laughs> uh, I have to, I, I, I said that I was going to the bathroom and right when I looked down, a spider came up from under the seat and got on top of the seat. So I was just about to sit on him and I was like, now I have to burn the whole house down and start over. And then they mm. like, they got, got flagged for that. And I was like, that? <laughs> But my point is, is that sometimes people are really into the flash quick joke, right? And yeah. not so much the writing. And so Substack brings me back to the base of writing and telling a story. I'd love to tell you that I spend time every day writing at a particular time. That is my goal. I don't always meet it. But yeah. if I sit down and I just write anything Content seems to just flow. I can take a piece from this and build off of it to give to the audience. But that's always the hardest part, especially when I'm in book writing mode. I'm like, what do you people want from me? I've just, I mean, I've just written a book. I don't have anything more to say to you. Leave me alone. Go read something else. You know, meanwhile, nobody even cares or is paying attention. They don't know what I'm doing. But I feel that pressure. Like they're just all on their phones. Like, what's Anna going to say next? It better make me laugh, you know. And so, um, but... The the goal is to at least do one to two, one to three hours a day. Um, if you were to do three hours a day, I could write a, I could have a finished book probably every four months, which wow. is amazing to think about if we would just yeah. do it. Yeah. It, it, do you find pressure to be funny? Is that is that a real like I've never been a um, I mean I think I'm funny. I'm the only one that thinks I'm funny. Um, and. It, when I preach, sometimes I I love good dad jokes or bad dad jokes. Actually, they're the same. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. But do you find pressure to be funny? I'm I'm curious about this mantle as like a, a humorist or comedian, writer, kind of storyteller. Like, um, what's that? What's what's that like? There there is a pressure. Yes, um, my audience is used to me. My books have serious themes in them. I'm not, it's not just like an SNL skit all the way through. Uh, I do get pretty real and raw. So they're, they're fairly used to that from me. Um, but you do feel like you do, there is a pressure to entertain people all the time and entertain them in the way they want to be entertained. And especially when you see other people or platforms succeeding by scratching that itch for people online, there is a pressure for me to do it and to do that and perform. And so one of the things that I always have to just test, just just bring myself back is just who I am in Christ, who he made me to be, and what is something on my heart that I can share today. And my own personality will always get the joke in. It's, it's how I communicate and it's who I am. Right. So that part's not hard, but that is something that I had to let go of. And when I first started to reveal myself as a more serious writer, um, I think I lost a lot of fan. I mean, I came out as a believer. A lot of people were like, when did this website become religious? You know, it's like the more you expose yourself, you're going to get rid of people who were just there for the laugh. And that's good. It turns out they were, they were all Christians anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it, I was going to say, like, so in, in this latest resource, I, I'm not ready for this. It's, it's what I kind of call sneaky Jesus. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's not like overtly like, hey, I'm going to beat you to death with the uh, Bible verses. Although, you know, sometimes those books are needed too. Um, How do you intertwine your faith and your platform? Uh, I mean, how do you know the right balance? It's so, you're asking such really good questions that I just really got off the phone with my agent today. And we were talking a lot about this, um, really dreaming up book three. And um, I consider myself to be a bridge. And the thing is, is that I have pressure on the Christian side to be overtly, deeply Christian, funny Christian, but it's Christian. And then I feel pressure on this other side to be like, please don't. I mean, it's good. You like Jesus, but let's not talk about it. Just entertain me and make me laugh. The middle ground there is that I just be who I am. And my faith is a huge part of who I am. But I'm not called to, at least right now, be a spiritual teacher, a pastor. Um, I'm not the next Christine Kane. That isn't my calling. Sometimes I'm like, that looks amazing. But that isn't my calling. And so I think God uses is using me at least right now as more of a bridge of someone who is working out their faith, who's telling the truth, who's making people laugh, who's saying things that are real and raw that might make some of the more deeply conservative Christians a little nervous, but that also leads other people who may be agnostic or struggling in their faith to be like, I can just be a person. I can just be a human being. And if she is, if she's, if this person who is making me laugh, but also going through these things and overcoming and struggling and doing all of this, if, if, if her faith is what's getting her through, I wonder if there's something to this. And so I think that that's where I'm at right now. But, you know, if God tells me in a year or two that he wants me to write a devotional, I'll do it. I'll just follow follow the breadcrumbs. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Anna to remind you to get into the Spirit and Truth Living the Faith Facebook group. That's right, we got a Facebook group with church leaders, people who are trying to follow Jesus, just some really great people. You can find it by going to Spirit and Truth on Facebook. Look underneath the group section, you'll be there. We'd love to have you come be a part of the conversation and all that God is doing there. For more information about Spirit and Truth, you can check out our website, spiritandtruth.life. Reminder that this podcast is a ministry of Spirit and Truth, and we're so thankful to be partnered with them as we do our very best to awaken and equip the church. Now, let's finish up this conversation with Anna. Uh, I love the title of this. I, I'm not I'm not ready for this um, because I, I think it, it kind of matches what a lot of us feel. Um, how, how did you decide that this is what, this is the project that God was calling you next? You mentioned a a minute ago that you were talking to your agent. What's that discernment process? Like, yes, I should absolutely start writing a book about, uh, about not being prepared and pushing through and those kind of things, or I should write a devotional or like, how how do you, how do you kind of discern what God's leading you to next? It's so Usually I write down a list of stories that I really want to tell, and then I try to see if there's a theme. And I found that through a big theme of what I was going through at the time is not being ready. So I was telling you earlier, I got cast for this TV show. I can't talk a whole bunch about it until it airs, if it even airs, which don't even get me started. That makes me so sad. I don't I think I'm on season two. (laughs) (laughs) My God, how can you do, you know, we'll see. But I just, this, this not being ready for that. I, who's ready? And I made the joke actually 
the the original title that I wanted was I'm not ready to go sleeveless because when women in general, like when spring hits, we're like, oh great, I've got to expose these bat wings. I'm not ready for summer. I mean, I, I'm not ready for. I'm still wearing a cardigan. The sun can't be out yet. I mean, we're never ready for summer for summer clothes. We're never ready for any of that stuff. And so that was initially my first joke. And then I wasn't ready for the show because I bought these like really cute blazers, but they were too tight. But I, I, I was positive I was going to lose like, I don't know, 80 pounds before the show, obviously. <laughs> I didn't lose any. I was like stress eating all the way up. So I had a tight blazer on. I'm just never ready. I'm just never ready. And it was one of those things that this... I wasn't ready for my kid to start kindergarten. I mean, I didn't have any emails. I didn't know where I even register her. I mean, I'm always in this position of not being ready for something. And I think it's a common human experience. So we were talking about book three and I'm thinking imposter syndrome. This mark, this, this, I've have two books. One came out in September and then one just came out now. And I am in this. Yeah, you, just, you are cranking them out by the way. Seriously. And it was really important to me that I improve too. I didn't want to be one of those writers that just pumps them out and it just gets crap because they're under pressure. And I do book two is so much better than book one. So thank, thank God for that. Um, and I, book one's amazing too. I don't want to discount book one, but that was my biggest sure. fear is that I was going to get rushed into being just a book factory and it was just going to start to decline in its quality. And that wasn't the case, but um we're talking about imposter syndrome and all of these doubts that start to come in and looking at how your sales are doing and the pressure you get from the publishing industry. And there's, there's, there's fears around every corner. And there are times where you just feel like you're faking it. I'm just faking it. And so there are so many funny things that I know everybody really experiences and there's so many stories I can tell even through this process of writing books and, you know, people, people think that I wrote this book and that it's huge and that I've got like tons and tons of money. And then my husband and I were in this difficult like patch and I could barely buy her like a bridal shower gift. And I was like, I'm supposed to be this famous rich author and I can't even get her a bridal gift. You know, I'm crying about it. You know, I mean, it's stuff like that, that I think it's human stuff. And so that's kind of why we were thinking that would be a really great angle to take is just that imposter syndrome of, am I faking it? I mean, sometimes you almost feel like you're faking it as a Christian. Like, yeah. well, who am I to be writing this? You know, I've written little devotionals before for other little smaller publications. And it's just this, it's just this constant thing where you just got to go back to not who you are as a writer, but who you are in, in God and in Christ and what your identity is with him and how easy it is with God when we just get to walk with him and identify ourselves with him rather than the culture or success or our ambitions. And it's just a constant little learning lesson that I have to recalibrate myself to quite often. I'm embarrassed to say, maybe every day. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think daily surrender is probably a good thing, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how do you know when a story is fully baked for for public consumption, right? Like one of the things they tell us in seminary is like preach through scars, not through wounds, kind of thing. And like, yeah. Um, how, how do you know when it's like okay, I I can I can joke about this kind of uh, per. I mean, most of your stories are personal. They're all personal, right? right? Like they're. You know, like, how do you know when they're ready to be um, 
poked fun at. You've touched on something that I think is very dysfunctional about our current social media culture is that people are talking through their wounds and not their scars. Mm. And they're, and so it's almost like people who are really suffering and kind of bleeding are leading people who are suffering and bleeding. And then, and then, and then a weird kind of codependency sort of happens. I've just started to figure this out and it's burdened my heart a little bit because they w- we want that dopamine hit of I'm suffering right now. Well, if I just tell everybody my suffering, then they're all going to rally and I'm going to get all these likes and these comments and the support and I'm going to get that dopamine hit that'll help me rather than this is maybe a time that we should be privately spending with God right now and really just healing with him. Um, that's That's the marker for me is when I'm ready to laugh about it. And when I'm, when I feel like I'm on the other side in the sense that um, it's, it's healed in a particular way, I don't really tend, I like to write about while it's happening, but I don't put it out for public consumption necessarily. Um, Cause I do test a lot of my chapters with my audience just to see if they like certain topics or if certain things are really funny to them. But, um, that that's a really that's a really great point, and I think David Sedaris he's a he's not a Christian writer by any stretch, but he's one of my favorite writers um, in terms of his talent and the way he writes. And he says that everything is funny eventually, and I think it is so true. And it's one thing where I that's a big aspect of my writing, and my first book will laugh about this someday is learning to keep a sense of humor, to not take life so seriously. And to vet out where the humor is. Even something that my husband and I will do is like sometimes we'll go back and laugh at the way we acted in a fight. Like the stuff we said. Like like one time I got real mad at my husband. And I was like, don't get it twisted. He's like, <laughs> he made fun of me. He's like, who are you, P. Diddy? What do you mean don't get it twisted? You know, just being able to go back and just don't get it twisted. I, who knows what I was even mad about. Being able to go back and poke fun at ourselves and have a sense of humor about ourselves, I think is a tremendous gift for you to have and to not let go. I think if you lose your peace and you lose your sense of humor, you're giving away the top two things that God gives us to get through. So um, that's a long way of answering that question. But I will say that um, once I start feeling like I can laugh at something again, I'm ready to write about it. That's good. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the memes where it's like... um, if you live in the preacher's household, everything can and will be used for a sermon. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. How do you how do you manage? Because I would I would imagine in the in a in the world that you live in, you're such a great storyteller. Um, everything is probably you, you see everything through the lens of man. That could be a great story. If not right. now, maybe eventually. Right? How, how does that play out in your marriage? And I know you, your kids are still a little bit young, but like if you think about your family's. Uh, your family dynamic. How do you know, how, how do you and Rob kind of navigate that together on like what, what goes out and what stays in? As I grow as a writer, I look at everything like a story, which is not very fun for my family. Cause they're like, Oh no, is this going in something? Right. Rob is chill. He's like, 
go for he doesn't take it seriously i know the line of when i'm sharing too much that's precious to him that i would never violate that trust of his but he's game he doesn't even care if he looks bad one time i wrote a joke and people started to like trash on him and i felt so bad i was like you want me to take it down he's like what do i care what those weirdos think i mean he doesn't so i don't we he pretty much trusts me but um everything everything is game I'll start to realize like this is a really funny story. There was uh in in I'm not ready for this, the chapter come on over. My brother was serving us all this spaghetti dinner. We're Sicilian. He wanted to make my, our family sauce and have us over for dinner and he was like an hour late and we had the church hangries. 11:30 yeah. in church service. I don't know if it's the devil or what, but all I can think <laughs> about is food. You know, I'm like I I, I just think about hamburger fries i mean we were starving and um he did my mom wanted to put out this like veggie tray for us to snack on while the sauce was getting ready and my brother was like do not get stuffed he's like i don't want you guys to eat too much the sauce is coming please like save your appetites i was like please it's a cracker and cheese i ate so many crackers and cheese i was bloated before it was done and i remember like panicking that i was stuffed and i was like mom I'm stuffed (laughs) and I had a real tear and she was she was legitimately disappointed in me she's like you know how much how hard your brother's been working how could you do this you know and immediately I was like oh my god this is a chapter in a story I mean so I'd look at all of these little things as easily something that I can let Rob went grocery shopping with me yesterday huge mistake I go grocery (laughs) shopping on my own it's my, I get a coffee. I make it an experience. Okay. I go sure. to Whole Foods. Yeah. I go, I want ambiance. I want it to look like the Garden of Eden when I, when it's the really just open. a retreat. It's not grocery it's shopping. A, it's a half day retreat. It's a, that's it. You get it. And so here I brought Rob. I knew it was going to be a mistake. The whole time I can tell he's like, how long is she going to look at this zucchini? Like pick <laughs> one and let's roll. I mean, he had no patience for how long I was observing the lettuce. And mm. um, anyway, he started to really pressure me at the end. So he was like, is that it? Can we check out? Can we check out? I was like, excuse me. No, I haven't even gotten to aisle 11 yet. Hold your jets. And be quiet. you know, and the woman checked us out and she goes, well, how, you know, did, did you find everything okay? And I was like, well, I brought my husband and it was pure hell, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to write about that. It's hilarious. I mean, and everybody related, so many women related to bringing their husbands or even kids. And it's just a mistake. You know, kids will just start mm. throwing stuff into the cart. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's no boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can we have this? Can we have this? You know, so there's there's so much humor in just day-to-day life. Um, so I, I think you should write a marriage book next, just so you know. I, that's my <laughs> gut feeling. Yeah, I, I think, think so. And you should have Rob put Rob's take at the end of every chapter. <laughs> Um, because like there's, I would love, it. I I would love to hear Rob's take, like his version of this, even if it's not funny, I think it would be so funny because I feel like the contrast between you two is so broad. It would be amazing. That's really good. That's really good. I'm going to write that down. You're right. Cause if he was just like, absolutely, actually, that's not at all how it happened. he did he did pop in one time on a post i had he's not on facebook anymore but there was one time he popped in and he was like it did not happen this way and the the people loved it i mean they were laughing so hard 
So that's a really good idea. I love that. Look, you guys, you guys write a marriage book and you could go around and do marriage retreats. This would be amazing. <laughs> You'd be amazing at it. Yeah, they'd be like, is this helping me? Sounds like you guys are really dysfunctional and weird. And I'd be like, listen, right. we're still married. What do you want from us? It works. It's, it's called empathy, people. We're here together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a team effort. Exactly. Um, uh, this one is strictly for me. I don't know if anyone's going to find any value in it, but as somebody who tells a lot of stories, how, how do you rem- how do you remember them? I can't like it's like for me when I'm writing. So there was a season of my life where I was preaching every weekend. I was a, a pastor of a local church, and so I'm cranking out six pages every week for mm-hmm. 50 weeks a year, right? So mm-hmm. like eventually, like how many times can I tell the story about my daughter and uh, you know how crazy she is? Like, how do you remember, yeah. how do you remember the stories? How do you keep track of them? How do you categorize? This is a little like uh, insider baseball, so to speak, but I'm dying to know how somebody who tells as many stories as you do remembers them all. I forget a lot of them. A lot of writers will keep, uh, they'll talk in their notes on their phone or they keep like Anne Lamott will keep uh, cards in her back pocket with a pen For me, whenever I like sit down to write a book, I just go through things that I remember. And Mm. some stories or snippets are so small that I can't make it into a chapter, but my chapters go all over the place. I mean, I don't just stick like I'm going to tell you the story, the end. I weave it into a bigger, you know, sometimes I weave the past into future stories. Um, But it's really, what do I remember? Because when we remember something, it matters. Um, there's and that's why there's parts about um, I'm not ready for this like the llama lady um, growing up in that schoolhouse and these snippets that I have like when my teacher um, she said everybody be quiet and the next person to talk or raise their hand has to put their name on the board and I wasn't listening so I raised my hand and I put my name on the board <laughs> crushed I was devastated. And she had to bring me into the back room and I was crying. And then I tried to get out of it. I was like, can I erase my name now? She's like, no. And then um, she also would have her give her back massages. (laughs) Whoa. That would definitely get canceled today. That's no, that's no good. I say this in the book. I'm like, she would be arrested today for this. Truly. It was the eighties and it really was innocent. Like we were just like grandkids who she just was given a quarter yeah. to rubber back. It was that innocent. But could you imagine if that happened today? And we ate it up. I think it's because we got like a Werther's original at the end. She would be like grading papers and we were in line to do it. Like weirdos. And I remember I was just like, I wanted her to feel refreshed. I wanted to be teacher's pet. These things, like, why did I remember that? Why did that stick out to me? There's a reason why we remember a lot of things most of the time, because there's an emotion that got evoked that was maybe new. And so like being, being, uh, getting in trouble with my teacher when I really thought I was like her favorite all time, how could she possibly betray me? Like that was the first time I experienced that. Right. And so those always stick out to me and I write that down. I want to put that in a story somewhere. And I wait until I'm writing about something where that would fit. And um, the thing that happens that make, like because of Facebook and stuff like that, I'll just write about it that day. So when Rob and I got back from the grocery store, I was laughing about it. And I was like, I just went home and I just wrote it and put it on Facebook. It's not in a book or anything. It was just something that I wrote on Facebook. So sometimes I just write about it right away and then get it off my plate. 
that's super helpful for someone who's always looking for a way to, I, I have Evernote and I have so many folders in Evernote that I use that sometimes I can't find the folder that I'm looking for. I was like, man, I feel like I wrote a note <laughs> that somewhere. And Evernote's got great searchability, but if you speak in generalities or you like, you, you just put down something so that you would remember it. And then I forget why I wrote it that way so that you remember it. So it's just... I just think I could be better. <laughs> I'm like that with jokes. Like I'll think of a joke that I want to maybe make into a meme or something. Those I forget all the time. I mean, they're just gone before I can even rel. you know, especially if they're like late at night, I'll think of something. But when it comes to the stories, yep, I just make a list of, of like, a, it's not a Word document. I actually use Scrivener and Scrivener lets you have all of these folders. And so I just put okay. all of these folders that have those stories in them. And and there's still tons that I want to tell. That's why I feel like I've got tons of books. I mean, I've got a chapter called The Baptism that didn't make it into this book where uh, me, my brother and my sister, they're, my sister's 10 years older, my brother's five years older, and we got baptized. And it's the way it's just hilarious. And I didn't get that into this book. So I just write it down like this, the baptism. That's a hilarious story to tell people, you know, stuff like that. And so that's just how I do it. I love it. I, I love the, your whole vibe with it. And I just think it's, it's really a lot of fun. Um, and it's, it's sneaky Jesus. I love the term that you used bridge. I think that that's uh, the world probably could use some more bridges and definitely less walls. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, my, my podcast family loves to pray. And yeah. so as this book kind of gets into the wild, how can we be praying for it? Like what's the prayer, the the rally cry prayer as we think about Annalyn Thomas and uh, I'm not ready for this and as it goes out there into the world. Thank you so much for thank you so much for that. That really means a lot to me and to know that you guys are praying for me is just absolutely huge. I I I feel like right now and I've been feeling like this with women of my generation, you know, the, we're having, there. there's a little bit of a mental health crisis. Women are mm. experiencing anxiety. Everybody's experiencing anxiety. Our kids are, women are experiencing an anxiety and loneliness that uh, is pretty unprecedented. Um, and it really breaks my heart. And everybody's going to the wrong place for it, right? I just, I just yeah. want... So my vision is, is I just want people to join me in laughing, join me in not taking life so seriously, join me in finding hope. When you laugh really, really hard at something, you feel hopeful afterwards. That's mm. why they tell people who have cancer patients to watch funny movies while they're in chemo and while they're recovering. There is a healing to laughing. And it is such a thing on my heart where I, I'm going to be uh, trying to donate a lot of my books to um, chemo centers where they're actively getting chemo to have like a book that they can read while they're getting chemo to new mothers while they're in the hospital. I just want to share this laughter and this hope um, so badly that I could just cry if I thought about it. So if mm. you could just pray for for that God blesses the work of my hands in this respect, that he elevates that message. Um, I am praying hard for a revival and I want to be a part of it so bad. Yeah. And I'm just, um, so just be praying that this book gets into as many hands as, as, as God allows and that it, it, it just, it spreads and that laughter and hope spreads in a time that feels kind of hopeless. 
Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, amen. Amen. We'll pray for that for sure. Um, okay, I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, uh, where is the best place uh, to learn all the things about you and where God is is working in you and through you? Where's the kind of the the, the home base for Anna Lynn Thomas? There's my website, AnnaLynnThomas.com. I'm right now on Substack. Please come subscribe and follow me. You're going to absolutely love it. It is um, AnnaLynnThomas.substack.com. My biggest audience is on Facebook. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, which is also Anna Lynn Thomas, just put me in there. You'll find me in all of those places. Yeah. Give me a pity like on, on Instagram. I am so bad at it. Okay. <laughs> so if you just feel sorry for me, even if you don't have an Instagram account, please make one and follow me. Okay. It's bad over there. But yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm I easy to it. find. It's, it's so good. We'll link to all that in the show notes. Um, Last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, and I'm going to ask you to give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the kind of the time in your life when you get to give it. And I, I'd like to, I'd like you to sit down in front of um, Anna the day before your blog goes viral. Mm-hmm. So it's the day before your life is getting ready to shift in pretty crazy ways, and uh, and you realize that there's a, a a pretty big world out there for, for you and for your writing and the way that God's going to use you. If you could sit down in front of her and sit knee to knee and hold her hands and look her in the eyes and tell her one thing, what are you going to tell her? I would say, I know that you want this so bad, but you've got to be patient. You've got to trust God And there are going to be times when you're going to want to give up and there are going to be times where you're going to feel like you failed and there are going to be times where you think that God's not going to answer your prayers. And this is the time, girl, where you need to just relax. Mm. Just relax. God's got you. You're good. Keep writing and have fun. It'll all be okay. And trust me, you're going to laugh about it someday. That sounds like I scripted that. I wasn't even prepared. Was that That was good? so good. That no, nobody so knows good. that question. Nobody I knows mean, that question. Right. I'm just saying. So good. I even got my book in there at the end, and I think it rhymed. That was good. Yeah, it was, that's really well done. See, you should, <laughs> you should go back. That, that's what you should put on Instagram. You should just. Like, that's what I need to do. That's what I yeah. need to do. Yeah, That's in so all good. seriousness, though, I could cry. I, I could just weep at this poor girl who just was so working so hard and just so afraid it's, it wasn't going to happen. I still feel that way now. I work so hard, and I think it isn't going to happen. Yeah. And um, I wish that you know, especially when you're really an ambitious person, and that's a part of your temperament. Just the constant surrender, that daily surrender of I am going to enjoy my life. I'm going to enjoy the work of my hands and I'm going to trust God with the outcome and enjoy my life. It's the most important thing. That's good. That's good. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity today. It was so much fun. Love hearing your story and we're praying uh, with you and, and as this book goes out into the world. Thank you so much, Tony. You had such thoughtful, wonderful questions. I had a wonderful time. Invite me back, will you, please? I'm available. Yeah, come on. Let's yeah. go. Okay. Oh, gosh, we almost forgot to mention. Go subscribe to Anna's podcast. Yes. 
Yes, it's not that serious. And I, I do have one starting very soon with Boonmi uh, Laditan. She's like the the voice between the, behind the honest toddler. She's hysterical. She's way she's huge. You guys probably already know who she is. We're going to start a podcast very soon. So just keep your eye out for that. Follow me at AnnaLindonThomas.com and you'll see it when it pops up. Man, I love her heart. I love her voice. Uh, in the voice in the sense of posture, right? Like something who somebody who just enjoys the funny moments of life and using good stories is such a great way to stay funny because life is funny. We should laugh at life. So, hey, thankful for you. Thanks for listening today. Do me a favor, go follow Anna, let her know you heard her here on the podcast. I always appreciate it when my family reaches out to somebody else and says thank you. So I appreciate you when you do that. Also, um, if you haven't left a rating or review, we're trying to build some of those up on iTunes. Man, I'm so thankful for some of the people who already have. You know, it's such a, um, an honor to be a part of someone's life in such a way. As a matter of fact, one of the, the reviews that I just got said that this is a, a very enjoyable podcast with various speaker. Tony does a fantastic job moderating the discussion. That was Susie T66. Or uh, Seth Sutherland left one that says, This podcast is a fantastic resource for growing your faith in today's complex world. Through Tony's conversations with some truly phenomenal guests, you'll gain practical tips for strengthening your walk with God and keeping Him front and center in your life. Hey, we're going to read some more as people keep leaving the podcast recommendations. Thankful for all the kind words and uh, thankful to be on this community with you guys. As a reminder, guys, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.